The following episode was recorded before March 2024, and while the content shared is valuable and useful, it features Rob, who is no longer involved in the business. Hey, it's Rob and Kennedy. Hello, today on the Email Marketing Show, we're talking about, well, we're going to have a big old email showdown. It's a hoedown, it's a showdown, it's a showdown. What's the difference between a showdown and a hoedown? And also, what's the difference between B2B and B2C emails? What the difference is, who wins, and who's going who's, who's gonna to be the best? What, what's, the, what's the point? What's the difference? Who knows? We're going to find out. I've just swigged a Red Bull. Can you tell? Never mind showdown. I wish you would bloody pipe down. Anyway, uh, before we get into the episode, we would love to give you something totally for free so we can do some email marketing on on you. It's a free report, (laughs) a lead magnet we put together for you. Uh, It's called Click Tricks. It's really, really good. It's 12 super creative ways that you can get more clicks from every single email that you send. And instead of selling it, we've decided we're going to give it to you for free for listening to the podcast. All you have to do is head over to emailmarketingheroes.com forward slash tricks download it today uh, and start using this to make sure that people don't get blind to the links that you put in your emails. It's uh, yeah, the call to action and stuff. It's emailmarketingheroes.com slash tricks. Lovely. His dog has a new dicky bow tie. What's wrong with his bow tie? We'll find out. It's comedy hypnotist Robert Temple. And he flew Virgin Atlantic for the first time recently. I feel like this is my fault and didn't like it. It's psychological mind reader, Kennedy. So, uh, Alfred, Alfie, the uh, the cockapoo, cav- cockapoo, cockapoo. Uh, Is it cockapoo or cavapoo? Cavapoo. Cavapoo. Alfred, Alfie, the cavapoo. Uh, Second most popular little... dog in England, you know. I'm not surprised. You're common as well. <laughs> um, why has he got a bow tie? Well, for, you know, sort of mostly for sort of family gatherings and that kind of thing. You know, Christmas, Easter, Mother's uh, Day. It wanted to look smart. It's a very, a very dapper-looking bow tie. It's got a proper collar. So it's got a little tag thing on it and everything. I don't know whether the word "dicky" translates around the world as being like a. In the, the UK, it sort of means oh, it's got a bit wrong. It's not. I mean, oh, it's got a bit of a. It's dicky a little broken. It's a little bit iffy. It's a bit. Yeah, that was what you do. And on my recommendation, you recently flew Virgin Atlantic for the first time. But in full disclosure, the last time I flew with Virgin Atlantic, when I used to fly with them a lot years a million years ago uh, we couldn't afford or justify or want to fly business class and so you experienced their upper class for the first time and it wasn't very good no because you're flying on a diagonal basically the seats are all on a diagonal so you'd basically take off sideways and you're all like crammed in like like it reminded of my, i grew up um in the summer i used to help my uncle on his farm i say help i was there i was probably in the way but um and and he was he was a dairy farmer so they had like all the cattle coming in 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 little rows and little stalls to get milked and it was i felt like i was gonna get milked <laughs> so, that's extra that's, hello every week on this show we show you how to make more sales and earn more money from your email subscribers we'll talk about email marketing strategy psychology tactics and share what's working right now to make more sales online making you the email marketing hero in your business we've got a brand new episode every email marketing wednesday so make sure you hit subscribe on your podcast player to have it download to your device automatically. Now, we get loads of people talking to us and saying, you know, oh, my stuff's different. My business is different because I sell to businesses and then I sell to consumers or I sell to businesses where there's a huge lead time on them buying because they've got to have a meeting and things $500,000. You know, we don't get that very often. But, you know, the thing is expensive. There's a bit I sell to or I sell to an obscure 
it's not exactly a business, but it's it is B two B in that I sell to like schools or you know somewhere where there's a bit of a, a process in place. Yeah, yeah, government, government organisations, that kind of thing. Yes. So let's have a chat about what do we mean by B two B and B two C. We've said this before, but we'll recap it again uh, here because you're on this episode, not on the episode where we said it before, um, which is about <laughs> the fact that we think of there's really three categories. There's B two B. Well, there's B two C, which is obviously business to consumer. You sell to people about things to do with their hobbies, their lives, their stuff. There's B2B, but we divide B2B into two. We divide B2B as B to big uppercase B and B to small lowercase B. And what we mean by that is most of our business, most of the people we sell to as email marketing heroes are what we call, and this is not meant to sound derogatory at all because uh, we consider ourselves this as well, B to little B, B to lowercase B. What we mean by that is we sell to people where they're typically owner-run businesses. It's a mom and pop type you know, uh, enterprise. It's man or woman, person working from home, making things and selling them on the internet maybe with their partner, like their life partner, maybe with, you know, the help of a, maybe on their own, but with the help of a virtual assistant, maybe on their own, but with the support of their, their sort of, oh, bang me, like, like lampshade there, with the help of their sort of partner at home. You know, it's, it's or maybe small, it's small team, maybe micro, small team of people. It's small, micro, micro business. And again, we factor ourselves in, in, in that. Like, you know, unless we were making probably north of $10 million a year, and even then, I think I would probably still consider myself on the smaller end of business. So I think the way the reason we think of them this way, just to clarify, because we did not mention this in, in the past, is when someone is B to lowercase b, they think they they very much buy and behave like a B to C company. Because, because and the reason the for that is the money in the business there, is sort of and the there, money yeah. is there. So when they're thinking about buying something, it's either they buy that thing or they have that money in their pocket to do their own thing with. And right. that's the reason we think of it that way. So that's what we're sort of talking about. Um, the, the kind of people we tend to bring into our world is beta, small b. Um, that's kind of who, obviously, email marketing's not for it's a hobby market. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like you might, you might sell to the hobby market, but you don't have an email list to, you know, for, do email marketing to an for email list. For anything. Yeah, exactly. For the fun of it. So although it is fun, let's not have you think it's not fun because exactly. I'm sure um, it's fun. That's a bonus. So, that's, that's a little bonus, bonus tip there. So the big thing that it's really important to remember that when, when you've, when you're talking about emailing to either other businesses, whether you're, and again, we're going to, we're going to help you with big to B to big B, uppercase B, lowercase B, and lowercase and C. At the, other, at the other end of those emails are definitely going to be human beings. But let's not forget and brush over the fact that how they expect to hear from you is different, and you have to balance your understanding of the market. So let's say, for example, you're a government lobbying organization. So one of our clients is a government lobbying organization who helps with lobbying governments, large organizations to do with climate change. All right. So the way that they want to show up is going to be different to the way that Rob and I show up in your email inbox when you're on our email list, where we do innuendo, rude jokes, and swear. The reason for that is just to do with our understanding of ourselves and our market. We're going to show up and cut through the noise and we are going to show up differently in a way that's acceptable. But truthfully, if I was going to like now go and want to go and do email marketing, which targets governments and and like the way that, you know, if you look at Barack Obama and Trump and, you know, and others all have email marketing campaigns. But again, 
what they're going to communicate and the way they're going to communicate, the words they say, have to do something different. And they have to build trust. They have to build authority. If if those people showed up and just went off on a tangent about something really silly, that's not going to give the right indicator. It's not the it's not the thing that's going to be the best way of communicating. Because it's that whole thing of the words you say are only a small percentage of of the of the response somebody gives you, right? Of of how somebody interprets that message. How you say it is really where people are reading between the lines and getting a real essence of that nuance of what you're like. So if your whole thing is about building trust and authority, you can do that by what you say. And a lot of people talk about build trust, build authority by saying, I'm the author of this book and here's my testimonials and here's some social proof. I was interviewed by Oprah and I was on this podcast and stuff like that. But another way of, of showing your authority is by the tone in which you speak. If you get an email from, that's very sort of professorial, like it reads like a college professor wrote it, you're going to really take it with a different bunch of credibility and credence than if it was all quite slapdash and jokey. Right. Absolutely. And I think one of the cool things about this, and this is why this, why our, our approach to email works so well, regardless of whether you're B2B, B2C, big to big, B, big to little B, that's hard to say, is because of this thing about the words are not all that important. What's important is things like the campaign structures and how you do things. And what, what that what that means is you can take a campaign structure that we create and you can p- make the words fun, interesting, tell funny, embarrassing, ridiculous stories if you want to sell to, you know, John and Carol who want to learn gardening. But you can take those those same structures and change the words to be authoritative and professional and professorial if you need to for a market that is something much more serious and and not that I'm I'm not taking John and Carol's gardening lightly, obviously, but something much more serious and, and beat the hey, big day. They are serious about their clematis. Exactly. Um, you can take the, the 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 emails and just change the words without breaking the whole thing. Likewise, the way that the sort of the sales cycle may take a little longer for a B2B thing, and that's okay too. Like again, if it's B a big B, you can have multiple campaigns stacked together, which is another big thing that we teach because even though consumers may have the ability and the power to buy a little bit faster, it doesn't necessarily mean that they will. They still might need to see the thing presented from a different offer. Uh, For example, in, in, in a larger sort of B2B bigger sell, you might have different email sequences, or we will call them different email engines, for different phases of the sales cycle to move them through it. So you're going to have a different... Um, so in, in B2B and B2C, we often talk about having three email engines. You've got your lead engine or your subscriber engine, which is designed to get people who are just a lead on your list to become first-time customers. Then you've got your customer engine designed to get people to to buy again once they've bought before. And you've got your sort of winning customers back engine. That's bringing people back who haven't bought for a while. But if you've, you can, you can extrapolate that further can't you you could if you've got a, a business which has multiple phases of a sales cycle so for those businesses that might be yes we've got some leads identified then it might be there was an initial meeting booked then there might be a um a demo booked then there might be a consultation period then there might be the period of going through the T's and C's and the specific and this and the specifics around the product they're going to buy and then finally it's going to be the deals over the line and then after that is is maintenance package selling and stuff like that for each of those several phases that I've just sort of made up 
on a, on a sort of standardized cycle, there will be a bunch of campaigns that you're going to use to move people from this phase to the next phase. Because that's all we're doing in marketing and in sales is we're just moving people from where they are to just the next step. And let's not get caught up in moving people from where they are to buying. That's crazy, right? Think about it a bit like a game of rounders or a game of um, baseball, right? The per- getting a home run, running around the whole thing is a special thing because it doesn't often happen, right? Whereas if you can stop at each base, all you need to do is focus from getting from this base to that base. You might skip a base every now and again, and that's totally cool. So think think about these email campaigns as moving people from one base to the next base to the next base. That's the whole thing. One of the things that we do want to make sure we're consistent on is thinking about who the email comes from, right? I think this is really, really important. And whether you're in B2B, B2C, whichever kind of B2B you're in, remember that the person buys from another person. It's it's really old stuffy marketing and sales speak, right? But it's it's just true. When you send an email moving people from one stage to the next stage, have it come from a human being. Have it come from your name or the salesperson's name or a, fic- a fictional person's name or a representative's name or whatever. Have it come from a human being because the, the your, your open rate's immediately going to go up. Your level and the depth of your relationship with that person is immediately going to go up because they're now having a relationship. We can only have relationships with things we can relate to. That's what a relationship is. It's about relating to something. And yes, there are still people who are married to their pets and having uh, relationships with AI technologies. Yes, there are still those people who are having relationships with things. But the reason they can is because they find something even in that thing that they relate to. So let's make sure that not just the from name, but the content, the email copy itself is something that is relating. I mean, if I could, if I could become president of the world, my first activity in office would be to make it law that all companies have to send emails from the person sending the email, even if it's not the person who physically sits and sends it. The person who has to come from a person and then have the brand name sort of secondary to that. Because like, I just think about my personal email inbox where I don't subscribe to a million newsletters. It's largely just very official sorts of things and real communication with people. And honestly, on a day-to-day basis, you get emails from the bank, you get emails from you know my favorite shirt company, I get emails from all these things, and they all come from the company name. And I, I, just, think that that, I just think that should change because I think it's going to be better for everybody in the world if we feel like we're having deeper relationships and communications with humans sending emails rather than companies sending emails. And it, it raises an interesting point. Do you remember back in the day, and maybe still today, I think less so, but but certainly years ago, all small one-man, one-woman, one-person businesses used to try and operate and sound like huge companies, right? So they all go, we will do this and we will do that. Call, you know, John Fra- John Franks and Sons Gardening. We will, and it's only John Franks, you know, like it's going to be, it's all that. And like they would, you know, have really like uh, official looking phone numbers that people could dial and, you know, maybe even call handling services, which whilst and a member of, you, of our team will be delighted to answer your call. Probably Hiya. John, John cause there's only John there. So I think yeah. like this, that used to happen, right? I think less so now, but that definitely used to happen. And we've been asked in the past, like, you know, as a guy who used to work for us and you were asked recently in separate businesses and you were asked recently, was he real or was that just you under a different name? People were cynical about that because we all know that people used to fake having bigger operations than they actually were. I've forgotten that, yeah. 
So I think there's an interesting thing, though, where what's happening is small businesses realize they should stop doing that. But big businesses are continuing to try and operate and look like big businesses rather than just going, actually, there's obviously a power here. The, the world has shifted. There's obviously now a power in being seen as, a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as an individual. So for me, it sort of makes me think that instead of being B to B, if you're a big business, uh, ideally, you really want to try and make it look like, you know, you're an individual to business, like you're an individual, like almost make it look like you know that you are there's a human there that's um, doing so because there is right right now until the robots take over completely there is still a human writing and sending those emails so make it look that way mm. I, I can't describe the power i think that will have on the world if if big businesses if all businesses started doing that yeah i think the other thing to think about is to always think about what, whoever you're sending your emails to whichever beta whatever you are to think about always think about your emails in terms of how do people get in your email list and what was their relationship to begin with because if they joined your email list and they're expecting john from the office handy dandy toolkit you know tool tips and you're like and it's coming from like a large supplier of like wood and diy stuff then they should get an email from john not from amazing tools dot what's it right i think you've got to think about when they join your email list how are they getting onto that the other thing to really think about when you're selling whoever you're selling to is remember the human being who's receiving the emails is not only trying to serve the good of their job and like the business that they work for but they're also trying to always also serving themselves so how can you how can the lead magnet or how can the how can the email content and the offers that you make people and the things you talk about and the offers that you're making them how can they yes serve the business and get their business to say yes i approve you to go and buy that thing but also how can you get it so that the person themselves benefits how does it make them look better how does it save them a bunch of time how does it save face how does it get them potentially a pay rise or how does it get them to potentially get a a, 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 a jump in their career like a promotion so think about serving the individual at the end of that email always like how is it going to serve their business and it's and even in b2c this is not just a thing for b2b because in b2c it's easy to think oh i'm going to show them the benefits to their business so when you talk about we have a, a structure that we teach called fab t right which is a way of extrapolating and communicating the benefits of something in a really deep way which resonates really deeply with people and one of the things that people will often do in that is they'll just say so say for example we're selling a, a solution which helps businesses to um, make more sales with their email marketing in our case, right? What we could do is we could just tell them that this will help your business grow and you will be able to get more employees and you will be able to um, afford a better uh, live streaming setup. These are all very business benefits. But we've got to remember that there's a human being who's running this business or who is doing that part of the business. So we also want to talk about the personal benefits to that person. What are the personal benefits that that person's going to get from this? So yes, by building our score email engine, you will you will you will grow the income of your business by up to 1800 plus percent. But also for you personally, you'll know that every single new lead that comes into your business is being taken care of and being presented the best possible offers with the with the best possible opportunity without you having to stay up all night or wait, work late to follow up with leads so that you can get home on time, so you can spend more time with your family, so that your business is growing and amplifying and compounding the sales so you while you are 
taking the dog for a walk while you're at the park with the kids or taking them swimming. So making sure that the benefits we communicate are not just the business benefits. They have to be personalized benefits too. Yeah, for sure. But I think largely speaking, what we really need to do is to personify the, the B2B side of things to try and bring elements of B2C email marketing into it. And I think that's really the big difference that we're pushing forward with everything that we've talked about uh, over the course of this episode. Yeah, and I think I think what, what we do to do that is we think about, you can, you can get creative. There are some brands which are really cheeky or they do bring forward a, a, a mascot person. Like this is, you know, there was some ads we saw for a, a marketing company and they personified this one character of a guy in their office. And they kept right. and he kept showing up in their ads and doing like he would either walk past and pull a funny face or um, there would be a clip of him falling over because something was so you know it was so in front of you that you could almost trip over it and like you can create characters and put and push them to the front to, to they they did they've done this with like things like insurance um, companies have done this by again creating an emotional bond and the thing is we can't have emotional bonds with things we don't relate to if there's no human being. If we just think of a company, for most of the time, think of your bank. What do you think of? You probably think of a big, tall glass skyscraper in the middle of some city, and you sort of see some shirt ties and suits and uh, and white-collared shirts through the window, but there's no real people in that image. Whereas if you think of, there was a TV, uh, we actually got to see the guy, from the bank of dave which is a, a, a thing on netflix i think and it's all about this guy yeah. and he and, and creating this person this human it doesn't even have to be a person like as in the uk we've got compare the meerkat which is a play on compare the market.com a, a, a um, an insurance comparison website again they've created an emotional connection because you can't what do you, when you think of insurance companies what do you think of you think of big stone buildings with with sort of nothing you know it's just all this stone crusty buildings and, and charts and spreadsheets whereas if you think of compare the market you automatically think of compare the meerkat which is these whimsical and um, funny meerkat characters there's an emotional resonance that happens inside of our brains inside of our bodies which allows us to resonate with people and that takes up more space and um, that was so successful i don't know which way around it came um, i don't know if it's chicken or egg but Another company decided to go with Go Compare, and they needed to personify their um, insurance um, m- m- comparison website, and they decided to go completely different. They made it a person who was this Welsh opera singer who would sing the Go Compare jingle. Again, personifying these uh, these things. Now, I'm not saying you have to come up with a ridiculous opera singer or a talking meerkat or a family of talking meerkats. I'm not, or, or a guy who trips over stuff in the office. But what we're talking about here is remembering that we have to go beyond talking to the business. We have to talk about the personal benefits, talking about the person and the people, and you, and more, most importantly, you showing up as a person. Yeah, for sure. This is such. We see people do this by like introducing members of their team. Hey, this is uh, this is this person. They do this in the office, and they've said this today or whatever. It is. I mean, on just on that note, I had an interesting thought the other day. I was watching some comedians on YouTube, and I noticed there's a lot of comedians in the UK and probably around the world who get a lot of material for their comedy, not by telling jokes, but by telling 
stories that are just independently, they're just naturally funny stories that have ha- that their friends have said or that their family have said. And they actually haven't had to apply a lot of comedy in order to deliver that content to people. In other words, it was naturally funny. All they have to do is make sure they don't remove the humor from it in delivering it. When I say all they've got to do, they have to, they have to take their comedic skills and just make sure they tell an already funny story in the most obvious way. And I think what's interesting is the minute you what that what it, what made me think of is that when you take think about your team and your customers and the people around you, they give you so much natural content for your emails just by doing things, saying things that the individual interactions, if you look at them, and because those things all very naturally again build deeper relationships with people by talking and about. They may not necessarily be funny. I want to just make sure we clarify that they're, they're yeah, not yeah, necessarily yeah. funny. But they're no, no, interesting, exactly. you know. You know, John from from Switzerland emailed today to ask. You know, yeah. nothing funny. Just this is we're, we're humanizing. We're saying our customers are other humans. We're humans. You're humans. We're all humans. Yeah, it makes us feel a bit sick in our mouths. But ultimately, we are trying to push towards a more centralized H to H human to human email communication. I don't like the word human to human, but that's what that's the the buzz phrase that came around for it, and and that's what we need to do. It is. It is. Um, so yeah, that's it. That's what we want you to do. We want you to focus on speaking to those other human beings. Um, now it's time for this week's... Subject line of the week. Subject line of the week. Rob, what have you got? It's I'm spilling the tea, dot, 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 which is a phrase I've come across recently, but it's obviously become a trendy phrase to do with, you know, when there's gossip afoot or something like that. Uh, and it was literally, basically, the story in the email was was genuinely about nearly spilling a cup of tea on a plane. But I think it's interesting if you take a... If you take a commonly used phrase, not that that is that commonly used yet, but it's increasing in commonality, uh, and use it in subject lines where the story you tell in the email is definitely linked to the subject line, so it doesn't feel like a tricky subject line, but it sort of goes in a different direction to what people expected. That works really well. Love it. That's this week's Subject Line of the Week. Subject Line of the Week. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Email Marketing Show. We do this every single Wednesday, every email marketing Wednesday. So make sure you do hit subscribe on your podcast player. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. We really appreciate it. And if you get a moment, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave us a review on your podcast player, uh, because that really helps us to spread the word Uh, and get this information into the ears and minds and businesses of more people just like you. Thank you so much again. We'll see you next week. The 